0: Welcome to Geographical Thinking, the podcast where you get ideas, stories, and conversations all through the lens of geography. I'm your host, Guan Yu. When we dial 911 in Canada, emergency services might not know where to find us. That's because the backend system was built in the analog phone era. When people call from landline, the system recognized the address registered with the landline, and that's where the caller is. Now with majority of calls coming from cell phone, the challenge is to identify the accurate location of the caller and the best way to route to them. The change may not sound significant, but the system is going through a fundamental transition to the next generation 911, also known as NG 911. As you imagine, location data and IT infrastructure are central to this transformation. My guest today is Joanne Fox, Industry manager of NG911 at Esri Canada. She has worked at the intersection of public safety and geospatial technology for over 15 years. Welcome, Joanne. Thanks, Guan, for having me. It didn't take me long into my research to realize that 911 system transition is very complex. So I thought we'll start from the beginning. When we dial 911 right now, what happens in the back scene before an emergency vehicle shows up?
1: Yeah, sure. And I can provide you with with a very high level overview of, of how that works. So when someone dials 911, that call will first go to your local network provider, so such as Bell or TELUS, um, and they're going to route the call to uh, your local 911 center. From there, the 911 center is going to evaluate that call and dispatch the call, um, whether you need fire, police or ambulance. And that's basically how it works today. So the address of the callers
0: are used to identify a where this local 911 center is and also how to route to them in the fastest way. Yes. So how will NG911 the next generation 911 be different?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So NG911 is definitely a technology disruptor. Um, and it's the largest um it's the largest um upgrade since uh, enhanced 911 came into service so enhanced 911 took the ability um, for uh, the phone companies to identify where the call was coming from based on your based on your landline address basically so they have um, a table of all of these addresses they know that this call is coming in from this address based on the landline phone number and that's how they can you know directly route your call in today's age not many of us, have a landline anymore, actually over 80% of people are using uh, a mobile device. So it becomes very difficult to be able to um, exact a location um, at this moment in time with with having that kind of old framework and that old architecture um, that was built for E911. So E911 enhanced 911 is what we're using today. And it's basically, you know, it has served its purpose for its time. It was built for purpose and it served that purpose. Now that we've moved on to these mobile devices and people are, you know, able to text and send pictures and send video um, and they have the exact location on their phone, this system now needs to be upgraded to be able to ingest that type of information. So we're really moving from an, an analog system, like you said, to an IP internet based system.
0: We most of the people use cell phone on a daily basis, and we use it to order pizza, to call an Uber. And how come that those services can find us while 911 currently cannot or may not be able to?
1: Yeah. And that's that's a an excellent question you know well why can i order skip the dishes and they're going to be at my house in 10 minutes with my burger and fries and i can't do the same right now with an ambulance or fire or or police um and again it goes back to that conversation around um the architecture for ng911 and the technology hasn't kept up with the time so your uber and your skip have been very innovative they're built on modern networks on IP, on 5G, and they're able to leverage um exact location technology or geospatial call routing, something that's not that the current 911 system is currently not able to to access and, and to take advantage of. And so this is why NG nine one one is this huge disruptor, but it's also key and important um to to continue the engine or to continue 911 services into the future as technology has modernized. So it's basically we're playing a little bit of a catch up um, to what modern technology has given us. In order for this
0: transition to happen, who are the major stakeholders that need to do the work differently?
1: Yeah so I, I there's several different stakeholders in this whole process as you can imagine the geospatial routing is just one component and there's several components to NG911 from the IP network to cybersecurity to um the network itself from from the telephone providers like it's a it's an entire system an entire disruption um, to technology for for 911 um the main the main stakeholders Right now, to to be able to make this work, are the network our our nine one one network providers? So those are the phone companies that are pro- providing nine one one services um, to municipalities and to communities across Canada. They are the ones that are able to route the call to the correct nine one one center to get dispatched and to get help to you quicker. Um, of course, the nine one one center, what we call the public safety answering point, which is the P S A P, is the one that takes that call, gets that call, answers it, and appropriately evaluates it and dispatches the correct um, emergency first responder to your location for the emergency. So they're a huge stakeholder. Um, Our local government authority. So these are our municipalities, um, our regions within the country that receive 911 services and that create data to give to the phone companies to the 911 network providers to be able to route the call to the correct to the correct 911 center in the first place. So really these municipalities now from an NG911 perspective we're trying to and we as in the emergency services working group across Canada which is a, which is a group that's working towards all of these transition to NG911 services from the geospatial perspective there's a huge change here for for the municipalities to provide data to the network providers, so the, the phone companies, so they can directly route the call using GIS. So I want to dive in to the data
0: perspective a little bit more. Tell us what's the problem of the data. Like First of all, what kind of data does municipality collect and provide today? And what's the problem with it?
1: so municipalities and regions have their own um state of business really so they have you know they're in the business of city planning and assessment and taxation um and zoning and all of those types of things that a that a city manages um as well as roads and transportation they're sending the data of what they have in their current business model to um a 911 center for dispatch or to the network provider to the to the phone company um, based on what they have. So there's no um, public safety GIS data standard in public safety today. And so what NG 911 is doing is um, there is a GIS data model that needs to be adopted and followed. So what this is going to do is it's almost creating a new line of business for municipalities and regions as well as possible aggregators, which we might get into in a little bit later in this conversation uh, around what that data needs to look like. What are the components that are are necessary for NG911 geospatial uh, geospatial call routing? What does the schema look like? What has to be included in that data, et cetera, et cetera. And this is the model that needs to be implemented at the source. Uh, whoever has that agreement with the network providers, which is usually a municipality or a region, to provide the 911 services, they will have to provide that data in that way so that in the future, geo-routing can be used for 911.
0: So what I'm hearing is every single municipality that receives emergency services will need to reorganize their data in a format that's uniform across the country so that their data can be ingested and added together for this 911 system transformation.
1: Yes, and overall overall that's correct. It's whoever has the agreement with the 911 network provider is ultimately responsible for the data, getting the data in the correct format and the standardized format to that network provider for geo-routing.
0: Tell us a bit more about the data. What do they include? just road center lines or
1: anything else? So from a required perspective, what they will need is the road center lines, the site um, or structure address points, the actual PSAP boundary, so the 911 center boundary in which they serve, the emergency services boundary, so this includes police, fire, ambulance boundaries in separate layers, and then also the provisioning boundaries. So the boundary of the local government authority that's actually providing the data to the network provider.
0: Now, you mentioned earlier, there's another stakeholder called data aggregator. Once these municipalities have the data ready and send them, there is this data aggregator that will take many municipalities'
1: data and put them together What are the challenges that they have? So in Canada, we have three main 911 network providers that provide 911 service in Canada, and that's TELUS, Bell, and SaskTel. So ultimately, they are ultimately responsible for aggregating all of the data from all of the local government authorities that are providing them data um, for 911 services. As you can imagine, that's probably quite cumbersome for one company to go in and aggregate um, several hundred municipalities worth worth of data. And so one of the things that's being discussed across the country is this role of of a, a mid-level aggregator. So right now the, the top level aggregator is actually the 911 network provider. And right now um, there are discussions around across the country around who would be maybe a mid-level aggregator, somebody that could take on the role of aggregating um, some or all of the municipal data and that mid-level aggregator then sends that information to the 911 network provider. So there's a lot of challenges around this and, um, you know, technology is one of them. Um, This is a technological project for sure, but be, Beyond that, this is really about um, process and workflows and collaboration and partnerships um, with all of the uh, local government authorities across the country as well as the network providers. So you can imagine that, you know, one of the required layers is uh, the provisioning boundary. The provisioning boundary isn't in isolation. There are neighboring boundaries that also require 911 services. So for example, municipalities, and I say municipalities, it's really the local governing authority. It could be a municipality, it could be a region, it could be, you know, whatever, whatever entity has that agreement for 911 with the network providers. You really have to talk to your neighbor and get to know your neighbor because now the data and the accuracy of that data really matters. So if your boundary doesn't quite line up with your neighbor's boundary, there's going to be a problem um, with the geo-routing of the call.
0: Now, I want to talk a bit about rural communities because they are um, special in, I think they had been, um, where the services aren't always available in the same way as um, they are in bigger cent- like city centers. What about them in this transition? What is like uh, for those communities?
1: That's a really great question, Guan. And as I said, NG911. Is a bit of a disruptor from a technological perspective, but also with respect to policy procedure, all of that kind of stuff. So now that people are talking and understanding more about what services are out there and what gaps there might be, this is going to go a long way in helping smaller places figure out what they can do to pr- improve uh, their access to 911. So um, it's not just about the data getting to the network provider, but some of these smaller rural rural communities and remote communities might not even have access to the infrastructure for 911 currently. So um, these remote communities that don't have 911 service, they might have Another number to call um, when they need when they need help when they need first responder help. Um, they might not go by address. They might have a special code that they keep on their fridge, and that's what they. Um, you know, that's what they give to uh, the dispatcher on the other side um, when they're looking for emergency help. And I guess, again, it's not a 911 number. It's just a regular phone number that they would call. So they really, they're, they're kind of isolated and on their own. And so that now that the country has been talking about NG 911 and uh, the benefits from moving from an analog to an IP-based system and all of these other things that we'll be able to do with NG 911, we see that there's interest in these from these remote communities and um questions as to how they can now get 911 services services. So if they don't have a 911 service right now, the first thing they have to do is get that infrastructure in. And the infrastructure comes from the 911 network providers. But it really is starting that conversation like we don't want to be left behind, right? These remote communities don't want to be left behind um in something that can then that could really add value to public safety in their community. In your
0: perspective will gradually all of these remote communities be adopting the same kind of template that NG911 lend itself to, or each one of them will have its own customized ways of you know, carrying on to the next generation of emergency services that serves to the individual community?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think um, at the core of it, um, from a data perspective and from a model perspective, they will have to provide the data in the same manner that's required for network providers to route the call. Um, at the end of the day, however, um, through some Canadian working groups and working with kind of adapting the the GIS data model to be more Canadian, there are kind of workarounds and things like that that can be made or provisions that can be made in addition to the required data that's in the data model, where they can add alternate. For example, road names. So, for example, if there's a remote um, indigenous community that uses their language to denote roads, that can be attached to the actual official centerline network. For example, for for um, for networking and for and for dispatch in the
0: next generation nine one one as a potential caller ourselves, how will we interact with our nine one one emergency services differently?
1: So what's exciting about NG911 um, and the architecture is not only the geospatial call routing, but the way and in, in the various ways that the public will be able to interact with 911. So right now, you can imagine we have cell phones where we're able to send text pictures and, you know, images, videos and files um, to our friends and loved ones when we're texting with them, and we'll be able to do the same. With, um, with the new 911 architecture in place. So, not only will 911 be able to accept um, a voice call, but now you'll be able to text or send a picture or video of, of what's going on, which elicits a more appropriate response and, and really helps the evaluators and dispatchers understand what's going on.
0: Thank you very much, Joanne. Thanks for coming on to Geographical Thinking and share your insights on this very important and complex project with us. Thank you so much, Quan. Joanne Fox, Industry Manager of NG911 at Esri Canada, a technology company that empowers people and organizations by the science of wear. Bye for now.